Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Anne, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the recovery programs that help those suffering directly or indirectly from addiction to drugs, alcohol, gambling and food. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. I'd like to welcome Maya to the show. Maya is a member of Al-Anon Family Groups and will be sharing her journey of recovery from the family disease of alcoholism and how Al-Anon has helped her cope with the effects of someone else's drinking. Now, Maya has been on the show before and today she's back again, but this time to focus on step four, which is one of the 12 steps. So welcome, Maya. Thanks, Anne. Thanks for Uh, having me. You're welcome. We're looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us today. Just for the audience, step four is um, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So Maya uh, will explain that to us uh, in a second. But first of all, I'd like to ask you, Maya, first of all, could you um, just tell us what the role of the 12 steps is? in the 12-step programs, including Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way I understand the 12 steps is to give me a roadmap for development, growth, and change, if I so choose. When I first came to Al-Anon, I didn't bother with the steps for probably eight months or so, or maybe even a year, because I got a lot of relief just from attending meetings and I got identification and I felt I wasn't lonely, alone in my despair or dysfunction. So those were the great benefits of just coming to meetings. But then I was really hungry for recovery and how can I interact differently with my family members or my friends? How can I, you know, get, get, control back over areas of my life where I had no control, I felt, that were unmanageable. So once I really had plunged into recovery, into the process, I felt I want to do this. I want to change because some often, even before recovery, I would do something or be emotionally triggered and react in a way and later on realize I don't know how I how I got there, but, and I couldn't stop it. So I felt a little bit at the mercy of my own behavior and I didn't want to continue that way. Thank you. So you see the steps in general as a a roadmap to recovery. How do you see step four in particular? Step four is the inventory. And yes, we get there after doing step one, two, and three. So I don't think we can, I just want to quickly say that one, two, and three are a wonderful bedrock, cultivating a bedrock of who I am in the in the scheme of this illness, in the world. Because it is a family illness, so much about my dysfunction is interrelational. So 
first step is admitting I'm powerless over alcohol, that my life's unmanageable. So unless I do that, I'm still white-knuckling and forcing solutions. So that's an important step for me to be able to let anything go. Then step two talks about um, a higher power that could restore me to sanity. It might be confronting to some people to hear that, that I, I, the sane one, the responsible one, could be insane. But we're in good company because all of us have behaved in insane manners. And if only if it was to try and get an alcoholic to stop drinking because it's not a possibility, it's not an option, and we don't know that. So that's where step two comes in. And step three then really encourages me to get quite intimate and real with a power greater than myself. Than myself. And that is important because if I don't have one, two, and three, I really, coming from the disease, disease of alcoholism, where we're so ready to put ourselves down, I might just abuse step four for a self-flagulation, <laughs> flagellation, whatever the word is. And, and that is absolutely not in the spirit of recovery or Al-Anon. So step four comes in once I have been introduced to the concept of self-care, self-love, letting go and not being alone. And then I have the chance to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. And again, someone might think, why would that be relevant? And my understanding is it's relevant because I am part of the alcoholic relationship. So I am not just a bystander as much as I wish that were true, but I have, yeah, yeah. this disease has affected me. So therefore, when I was a child and it did affect me, I had no responsibility necessarily as to how to, how to respond. However, as I grew up without me knowing, I had those, those coping strategies had become my character traits. And now as a grown woman, many of them are no longer appropriate or helpful even. So if I want to have good relationships, it's important for me to understand the mechanics of what happened with this disease. It's a, it's a cunning, baffling and powerful illness. So I, I mustn't gloss over, oh yeah, I'm coming to Al-Anon, I'm, I'm getting better. Yes, I'm getting better, but it's about am I getting willing to really look at my part and I think this is where step four comes in. I think it can be really hard for people to understand that idea that we should look at ourselves when we're so we're perhaps more likely to think of ourselves as victims of the alcoholic in our life but we say in Al-Anon if we blame others for our shortcomings we continue to live as victims but if we look at our own behavior perceptions and attitudes with genuine honesty we realize that much of our misery is self-inflicted. Mm. <laughs> and you spoke before about how that, you know, that to other people looks a bit like self-flagellation to be looking at what you've inflicted on yourself, given that you're in a very difficult situation. But could you talk a little bit about the benefits that you gain from that? Yeah, thanks. And can I, before I do that, briefly talk about that really critical point of where it was in my recovery when I switched from, well, you know, having the focus on the alcoholic. Yeah. And I remember it might have been in the first or second year 
and I was really angry that I had to sit in a meeting, whereas my father was still denying his illness. And that is enraging. However, the more I learned about this illness is that denial is an integral part of this illness, and I really am powerless over what my father considers or thinks or any of this. So I sat there stewing, and I sat in the safe space of listening to others share their experience, strength, and hope. And I can't understand how, or, but suddenly I realized, so to give my father's legacy was he was um, were, uh, learning with me and I was chronically overworked in academic matters. And he, he never gave, gave me the, you do, you've done well, off you go. It was always until I was crying, until the wheels came off, every single time. So I knew it's never enough. Right? That was my big creed about life. Never enough. I'm never enough. It's never enough. He's never enough. And so with resenting for him, resenting him for being, you know, asking too much of me, I suddenly realized that I was doing the same thing to him. I sat there in the meeting saying, why couldn't he even once have given me blah, 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 blah. Why couldn't he have been different? And and that's when I really settled into the meeting. It was understanding that I'm not a victim. I'm now a grown woman that has difficulties with attitudes and understanding some of the things. Yeah, and that's where the willingness came in. Now, the benefits you asked about, again, I stay with the example of my father just because he's my qualifier. And it's probably easy from what I've just shared to understand that I had this sense that my father didn't like me or didn't value me because he treated me really badly. And it was difficult. That was pretty much the only kind of relationship we had. So it was very one-dimensional and dysfunctional. So when I did the steps for a third time, oh no, sorry, the second time, my, we came to step four and my sponsor, I don't know how it came up, but, but I just said that my father hated me. And um, there was a pause. <laughs> and she didn't agree with me, which was weird. Instead, she said, how do you know that that is true? So I got to use step four in order to trace back my thinking and my assumptions, my conclusions, and getting really quite detailed and putting the microscope on of where I had concluded something that, you know, with all I now know about the disease, might appear differently. So it's this minute spotlight that step four affords me that can then lead to real change because I did don't know how many how many session um, sharings with her it took, but I did come to understand and to realize that, yeah, he he never actually said he hated me, and I hear from others that they're being treated or ne treated badly or neglected or spoken down to by their alcoholic or even other family members. So I I got a little bit of detachment by understanding that this is how the disease works. It puts people down. No wonder we end up with a really critically low self-esteem. But it doesn't mean 
they're right. It just means that the disease is making them do those things. It doesn't, I never had to condone his behavior, but it was really good for me to understand that's how he operated. And I can reinvent myself as an intelligent person. I, I, I don't have to suffer under his opinion. And I also get to understand this, his opinion was, was very biased and diseased. And then the next decade followed where I kept catching up with my dad. And it was wonderful because, as the program suggests, when one person is in recovery, the family situation is bound to improve. So he was really enjoying that I no longer expected him to admit he was an alcoholic. I was enjoying that he no longer was <laughs> tyrannizing me with maths or science questions. I was meeting him as an adult and and we both really enjoyed that because it gave us a different platform to meet again. And it is by having done the fourth step that I had no longer resentments. It took a long time. <laughs> it's not something that happens overnight. But we got there. We got there year after year. We got a little close closer or we just nurtured what little was there and there is a relationship and today I actually really know for a fact that he did love me. Wow. Yeah. That might be a good time to take a short break, Maya. Let's listen to some new music by Tanya Ransom, a Western Australian artist, and she's got a song, Breakdown to Breakthrough. Step out of your shadow 
Habibi. Salam Habibti. This is Marushti and Luqman from Salam Radio Show. Tune in on Sundays from 4 till 5 p.m. on 3CR for some modern Arabic mazika. Salam Radio Show will be bringing you every week a search of new, modern and reinterpreted sounds of Arabic mazika ranging from trap, rap, hip-hop, pop, R&B, experimental, ambient and electronic music. Yalla habaybna. Shunatrim. Join us every Sunday on Salam Radio Show. Mainstreaming Arabic mazika. Free Palestine Melbourne has organized a forum. When prison is a weapon, the Palestinian reality. Go to fpmelbourne.org. That's fpmelbourne.org to register. The event's October 3 from 8 till 9.30 p.m., Included will be Nadia Dukka from Palestine, Basam Tamimi from Palestine, our own Yusuf Rimawi here from Melbourne, and it will be chaired by Melissa from Free Palestine Melbourne. Again, the event is October 3 from 8 till 9.30. Go to fpmelbourne.org. Hope to see you there. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then head to your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free. On our webpage, you'll also find details about The Living Free Show and how you can contact us. I'm talking to Maya, a member of Al-Anon, about the practice of Step 4 in the Al-Anon 12-step program. Step four is where members take an inventory of their own personal habits and reactions in order to better understand themselves, especially in relation to living with an alcoholic. So Maya, would you talk a little bit about the role of um, having a sponsor in Al-Anon to help with that process of self-examination? Yeah, yeah. The way I understand sponsorship is that if when I, as a newcomer or in my first couple of years, 
am ready, I listen, start listening to who, who I like, whose story I relate to, things like that. So I get to kind of audition, if you want, <laughs> prospective sponsors. I, um, I have difficulties with meetings where older members approach younger members and offer themselves up as sponsors. I do believe with a disease where trust is so often broken and abused, it is up to up to this, the, the person who wants to work to make the first step. And it took me a few false starts. I remember I asked somebody and then they said, no, they couldn't because they had health problems. Maybe then a few months later, I asked somebody else. They took me on, but then soon decided that they had too much going on in their lives. So <laughs> sometimes it takes a little while, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about me not being worthy of being a sponsee. It just means the chemistry is not quite right. The timing isn't quite right. And Al-Anon is so gentle. I can always just fall back and understanding that my higher power lets me know it's not time for you yet. Just kick back, sit in the meetings, soak it up. And then when I did ask and was was working with a sponsor, you know, it's a it's a relationship where we talk about the sponsee and the sponsor both can talk about how they would like, how they would envisage this process, and then they can agree on which literature they might use or how often they want to meet or, I mean, at the moment it's for me and this person I work with, it's over the phone. And it's it's a very intimate relationship, you know. That's why I don't even like to say whether I work with a sponsor or with a sponsee because I work with another trusted member and it's only her and my business of who's who in the zoo, if there were such a thing. I mean, it's it's just... I love how the, how it's a really beautiful relationship where two people come together and want to grow. Lovely. Uh, Al-Anon says sponsorship is a mutual and confidential sharing between two Al-Anon or Alateen members. Sponsorship is for the newcomer, confused, anxious and uncertain, as well as for all members seeking to live this spiritual way of life. And Al-Anon says it's not required, but experience shows that it's a valuable aid to uh, personal understanding and you spoke eloquently about how your sponsor helps you to challenge the assumption that your father hated you and rather to come to understand that he actually loved you any other insights that came to you because of your relationship with your sponsor yeah just one little note as to in response so what happened is my my sponsor opened my awareness to the possibility that my father might not hate me. <laughs> it, it had to be in the ensuing visits with my dad that I could get a new understanding. So, and that's often what it is. The sponsor can just open help us open our minds to to a possibility that was inconceivable, and and then life takes whatever turn life takes. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Has the sponsor been helpful in, in other areas of, other than just with your father? Can you think of other examples yes. that happened? Yes. Um, well, the sponsor shared with me, she shared as the same as me on, this, on the questions. So it was like a, like a mini meeting with just two people. And so I got to see where somebody 
is that with with their life and how they interpret and read the question and how they work recovery in their life at a really close up look because we worked together for about 18 months and um, it was just very good to have that conversation I, I can't think of too many things in, in specifics but the benefits are that there is someone you know oh no here we go if I had any issue with anybody in the meeting or something was not sitting right or something in my service was not going well or somebody was taking issue with my service work which has happened to me recently <laughs> thank god for boundaries um so i can just ring my sponsor and say hey do you have a minute can i share can i run something by you so she's that trusted member where i go to who knows me quite well? Who can tell me, mm, yeah, I think you might be trying to blah, blah, blah. Or, yeah, no, that makes sense. I, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I get a soundboard from her that is absolutely, you know, she's not in it for anything. It's incorruptible, which is why I love that Al-Anon is um, forever non-professional. Beautiful. Um, just uh, can you just explain to the audience members who may not know uh, what is meant by service in Al-Anon? Well, Al-Anon is a worldwide fellowship, and we have no structure that is hierarchical. So we, as the members, are responsible for the workings and running of of this fellowship. So there's the Victorian Southern Area here in Melbourne. And Tasmania, and so it goes, growing, growing to all all of Australia, all of all over the world, and of course, somehow there needs to be a secretary who opens the meeting, or during Zoom, there needs to be somebody who hosts the meeting. That service, somebody might we might we had been passing the basket. There's a treasurer. That service. And there's a whole service structure that we don't necessarily get to see if we just go to our local meetings, with it, which is the Australian General Service Office. So that needs to be um, funded. We need It has got rent. It's got the Allen on literature. There is quite a few arms to this organization. And if I want Allen on to be there in the future, I need, or even for the service it renders to me, I pay something in order to support this. But I don't necessarily don't don't only pay in, in money. I also pay in service. And uh, yeah, over the years, I think my first service role was secretary because it is a really good one for getting one in the door early on every week. <laughs> um, at the moment, I work as a group representative. That's an important role because it connects the group to the uh, area, first to the district and then the area. So it's brilliant because it means that the communication channels are open between each and every single member who comes to a group and the general secretary at the or the board of service holders, trustees. Yeah. So services is. And I love I love service because it gives me 
an opportunity to be in a um, in a function in an organization without having to do everything perfectly because I'm not being paid. <laughs> it takes a lot of stress, and in that in that vein of goodwill, which runs through the twelve step programs anyway, is that people support one another. When I did it, I did it this way. You might like to try that way. However, it's important also that service is every person who does service is entitled to doing it the way they want. They, we, we get a guideline and we can have a service sponsor who helps us achieve that. But it is not up to another member to come and say, I'm frustrated with the way you do service. And um, so it's a very protected area because we do this voluntarily. So uh, we all have been suffering enough unjustified uh, criticism. So we want to be mindful of that. But yes, yeah, service is a fantastic area to grow. And for me, it goes it goes hand in hand with going to my meetings, having my sponsorship relationship, and doing service. Thanks, Mai. And I think it's important to, to realise too that that's what gives Al-Anon members and new members the security that if they turn up at an, an advertised Al-Anon meeting, it will be open. And, and the same with Zoom, how quickly Al-Anon meetings all over the world were able to uh, shift onto Zoom when they couldn't meet it face-to-face. -face, and that's all because of people doing service. I'm talking with Maya about recovering from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Al-Anon family groups. Now we're talking today about step four, taking a searching and fearless moral inventory. And I was wondering if I could ask you, Maya, can you give us a fearless uh, example to <laughs> the audience of uh, some of the character defects, as we call them, that you've uncovered in Al-Anon and some mm. of your character attributes? Um, sure. Thanks, Anne. I will. I'm an adult child of this illness, so impatience is probably one of the a very common character defect. Control. We like to control people or things so that we can have a sense of agency because having grown up without any agency is um, disempowering. But... um. They, people don't want to be controlled <laughs> and things still take the time they take no matter what I think. So, yeah, it's it's a good area for me to work on those issues. I'm just remembering, though, that the way I'm working doing the inventory right now is that we generally took um, negative emotions and wrote about them. So, for example, I would choose on my first one to write, write about sadness and the other member might choose to write about anger or and then we share and then so there was about six emotions that we wrote about there was also shame resentment yes so just general generally speaking uncomfortable emotions and i mean we all know the disease of alcoholism is clouded in shame so <laughs> But it, it gave us, rather than kind of this pinpointed um, view that I talked about earlier, it's more conversational. What what comes up in my brain when I talk about sadness? And there has been a lot of sadness. There's been all those losses and the hopes and the disappointments. So it just gets gets me into 
talking and sharing. So more often than not, it's not, all right, here we are, there's a, there's a defect, let's get at it. But it's kind of like it's this incidental approach. We talk about it, we share on it, and something might shift or we might ask each other questions things like this so it is a it's not a surgical procedure by any means it's it's of what presents itself and it has it has been really good the process so in this relationship i learn a lot of patience because we take the time we each take and there is no judgment because we've all been there we share on the same disease so chances are that we have similar, we can identify with one another. So rather than it being, oh, I'm the, I'm the dysfunctional one, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sharing of this is what this disease does in one. So rather than sit, taking it personally, I can say, oh, yeah, I can expect to be irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. You know, it's not that I'm particularly maladjusted to life, but I have been affected by an illness and those are the results. Okay, thanks very much, Maya. We'll take a short break now and listen to a song I like very much called Little Bit by Little Bit by Victorian music, musician and poet Gary Leonard Hammond from his new EP, A Few Miles On. Little bit by little bit I claw my way back I know I need to be strong And little bit by little bit There's a light up ahead That I haven't seen for so long The journey's up The journey's down It can be a long A lonely sound But the fear that fills my heart It may be lifting little bit, one step at a time, I start to feel human again, and every day, in every way, the challenge is real, I'm seeing it through to the end, the journey's up, the journey's down, it can be a long, lonely sound, but the void that fills my heart, it may be Or I may return all the way back to the start. 
Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafiyas and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organizations. From the traditional black and white kafiyah to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Where your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kufiyas.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Possum Portraits is a non-profit bereavement care service supporting parents who have lost a baby to miscarriage, stillbirth and neonatal death. We provide families with hand-drawn, commemorative keepsake portraits of their baby free of charge. In support of our mission, we are hosting a community fundraising raffle. The prize draw will be held on November 6th. Prizes include a $300 Gorman online shop voucher, campus, term memberships for kids' music and activity classes, and much more. To buy your raffle tickets, head to possumportraits.com.au forward slash events and win some great prizes while supporting an important cause. Possum Portraits is a 3CR supporter. This is Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And I'm talking with Maya about recovering from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Al-Anon. Maya, before the break, we were discussing, uh, you, you were telling us about some of the character shortcomings that you've uncovered by doing step four. I'm wondering now, uh, given that we're all born with gifts, you could talk to us about some of the character attributes that you've uncovered by doing step four. Yes, okay, thank you. Ooh, I haven't <laughs> written on them yet. I'm, I'm due to write on those for tomorrow night. Um, I think enthusiasm and positivity are two of my attributes that I somehow guarded even in the midst of the disease. I remember being very angry as a child because I could see the injustice and I was not ever given an explanation. I had to wait, but 30 years later, I did get an explanation. So it's this, I, I, there, there was a confidence that was not entirely wiped out by this illness. And I'm really grateful for that. I am a good performer. I sing and I dance. These are my traits. So yeah, I love to, I love the arts and I love to be creative in groups. Wow. <laughs> so do you have any experience of when your character defects are shifted a, a bit that these, these attributes can flourish? Is that an experience that you've had? Um, 
That's a good question. Mm. Yeah, I think inhibition, inhibition lessens by sharing the secrets. Again, that's step four. Uh, so the less I am bound and shackled by my sense of inadequacy, I'm freer. I'm, and, and that, that becomes contagious. I'm just much lighter in the world. I'm much more forgiving in a shopping queue or in traffic. <laughs> these are, these are tangible results. I just have a cruisier day. It's, it's almost as if there's been a buffer. Recovery has put a buffer between the world and me. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, and my so character defects are no longer those haunting ghosts. They're just, they're just things where my need to survive overshot the goal and I get to adjust that with us in this sponsor relationship particularly. So it sounds to me as though what you're talking about there is that you have a, a much more balanced view of yourself as a human being and are less in a sense held hostage by the, the defects. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right and exactly right. Held hostage by the defects and held hostage by my family because my family is not in recovery and they might still project inadequacies onto me. It's not easy to fend that off or to just let it come in and know that it's not the truth. But it is possible that we, that we can, that I can grow and stand in my own authority because my mom still wants to change me. She still wants to find a career for me and you know, what have you. <laughs> and it's, it's so good for me that I don't need to rupture the relationship because she's still not able to respect me as a, you know, yeah. human being with her own choices. I can just say, oh yeah, the disease is progressive. And if there is no program that is to be expected. And she's done well for 10 years. She hasn't bothered me about it, but here it is. We're back on it. And it, yeah, I have a balanced view of myself. I know that I've not made things easy for myself with some of my life choices, but I'm comfortable with these choices. And if someone else isn't, I, it's really my job to detach and leave them to their own discomfort. Mm -hmm. Lovely. And Alan, I'm reading something here that says, what a relief it was when I realized I didn't have to do step four perfectly or root out every defect. My higher power would reveal the defects to me that I could process at the time. As new defects were revealed, I could work on those. As I swept away the defects, my character strengths were also revealed to me. Did you initially have that issue with perfectionism that's described there? And if so, how did you deal with that? Um, not really. I was just really enjoying the process of Al-Anon recovery and my sponsor was gentle as they usually are. And, um, I'm already excited for doing the steps for a fourth time and doing with it with a pathways to pathways to recovery because I hadn't done that before. So, you know, it's a question of perspective. I enjoy going through the steps. I don't do it all the time. I give myself a few years break in between, but, um, I know I don't, I don't have to do it anyway, other than how it presents itself. So that's really where step three comes in as well. It's not me getting a 97 
mark in an essay. That's not what it is about. It's about, oh, let's see what's coming up this time. There is a real collaboration with my higher power and the other person I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't always work as well as this relationship that I'm having right now. Last year I, I had a sponsor-sponsor relationship and we never got past step three just because there was still such self-loathing that it's no point going to step four without making further damage. And we read in step eight and nine that it is important to heed any warnings if it is creates more more complication or anxiety, it's not worth it. We do, we deal with where we are, with what we have, in what way we can, mm-hmm. and that is life to me. It's just life being at its free and organic self. At this higher power business, are you willing to talk a little bit about that and and what your concept of a higher power is? Yeah. Um, I'm comfortable with a concept that keeps changing, which is strange because I had a clear concept of a higher power before coming into the fellowship. But that has changed. That is it, because it's alive and, and, and current. So I can't tell you a whole lot more about <laughs> what it is, but I know that I cultivate that relationship. Step 11 talks about prayer and meditation and I really it's taken me a while to be disciplined with that but now that I am disciplined with it I I see how beneficial it is for me too because it keeps me right-sized I never go days and days without keeping on check that I am part of this life and not the center of it and that there is a higher power that's got the overview and I don't need it you know, these are these are just daily mental hygiene issues for me, mm-hmm. and I just love, I just love, I just love <laughs> the higher power is great. I mean, because we come to an understanding of our own choosing, and mine is just love and loving. And the more I work this program, I hear the cheer squad from my higher power and go, "Yeah, good, good on you!" or you're not taking the bait on this one when I have small wins in changing my behavior. So because I do step 11, I believe that's my, my higher power is really close to me. And, and it's just, it's just really lovely. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Oh, well, my, mine, it, I'm satisfied just to know that it's not me. Mm. I'm just very happy to have the idea that most of what goes on is not to do with me. <laughs> so that I just have to live in this one day and enjoy my life and the process will unfold. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking when you were talking there too about that, that you're talking mental hygiene, would you tell the audience a little bit about your about daily practices that you might have as a, in terms of prayer or meditation or? Yeah, look, everybody probably finds their own niche. I find what works well for me is a very basic practice. So I set aside half an hour and I just count from one to ten repeatedly. So for me, it's simply interrupting that constant flow of thoughts and interpretations and assessments and all. (laughs) So I just want to get a break from that. Simple. 
<laughs> but it is a discipline because, of course, I spent years being bored by that and I spent years resisting it. But now I just say, it gives me a break from who I am. And though I love myself, <laughs> I'm not to be trusted all the time. I not unless I have a higher power and I am aligned with, you know, with that force in my life. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So back to step four again. So this idea of um, uh, looking at your taking an inventory of your good and bad points. How has that changed your view of alcoholism as a family disease? Mm, yeah. Well, first of all, it gives me a really good amount of clarity of who I am apart from the disease and within the disease. So I have an existence that is apart from this disease and that is where I hang out with my higher power. And then in the disease, I have those relationships of where I get easily triggered or take the bait or defend myself or justify myself, those those things. So step four is great in that I that I get to really focus on myself and I get to know myself so much better than previously. Every time every time I do step four, I I know more about myself. And that is great also for confidence and you know and the the, the ability to keep my mouth shut when it's better. Because we say those things in Al-Anon that are so easy, so easy to say, but so extremely difficult to actually do, or rather not do. It's a huge discipline to inhibit our reactions. So step four, when I understand why I do what I do, even though it is not useful, I have a much better chance at tracing that back and saying, you know, coaching myself out into a different avenue of behavior or counting from one to 10 while I'm being accused of something I haven't done. You know, <laughs> counting to 10 can be so useful. There's another really good uh, thing that holds. Am yeah. I hungry, angry, angry, lonely or tired? Then it might not be a good idea to engage in a situation that might already be heated. So... <laughs> It's self-care and, and it's practicing the muscle of not jumping in. It really, I find it extremely difficult to, and that's a huge character defect, to be reactive. But that's what I thought. This is how I defend my little space of where I am allowed to exist. I didn't know that. I was just giving the alcoholic or the, the sick person fuel to into the insanity and mm -hmm. for me to go on their merry-go-round. I mm -hmm. did not know that. Mm -hmm. So step four gives me this good hula hoop that we talk about. And if it's not in my hula hoop, chances are I might not even have to have an opinion about whatever it is that's going on. <laughs> and that is such a relief. I really love that. I love that a lot in, you know, in living with someone that's brilliant, they can just do whatever they can do and be upset about whatever. And I get to realize it's not in my room. It's not in my immediate. I can stay clear of this. Yeah, doesn't have your name on it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Maya. My pleasure, Anne. Thank you so much. As you can tell, I, I love recovery and I love talking. Yeah.
and we enjoyed listening. If you would like to find out more about Alan and family groups, then you can phone them on 1300 252 666 or go online at alanon.org.au for more information about meetings or phone contacts throughout Australia. I'd like to thank Maya again for joining me and sharing her Al-Anon recovery experience with us. So thank you again, Maya. My pleasure. I hope that you will be able to join us again next week when we will be talking about recovery programs that assist those suffering directly or indirectly from addiction to drugs, alcohol, gambling and food. Thanks for listening to The Living Free Show. Stay safe. Stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. The two songs to take us out today are um, Rabbit Hole by Vicar and Linda and after the announcement, Place in the Sun by Tex Perkins and the Fat Rubber Band.
Merhaba. Bugün nasılsınız? A Turkish eco-feminist approach to dismantle the toxic misconception of the good immigrant. Intrigued? Well, so are we. The Good Immigrant is broadcasted in Turkish every Thursday between 6.30pm to 7pm. Tell your friends and family, because you have a date with Özesu and Özgü. 3CR, 8.55am, Thursdays, 6.30pm to 7pm. See you all then. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.